Hello, and thank you for joining us today. This is Victoria Schnipps, and I'm here with my dear friend, Geraldo Rivera. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is Straight Talk, health and wellness brought to you by HIPAAvideo.net. You know Geraldo from his Emmy award-winning television career, but he's also an attorney, an advocate, and a world-renowned journalist. I'm honored to have him co-host this podcast with me. The world has changed. Although telemedicine has been available, the use of it has exploded. We're delighted to be brought to you today by HIPAA Video. Thank you, Vicki. Great to be here with you. I'm thrilled to be uh, helping you uh, co-host this weekly podcast. In each episode, we'll bring you straight talk from doctors, nutritionists, and newsmakers on issues that are critical to your health and wellness. I want to tell you first uh, how Vicki and I met. I remember almost a half century ago how the two of us and a great gang of moms and activists work together to help move the world on how people with disabilities live their lives. Today, there are challenges, again, just to stay alive and well. We'll present some powerful opportunities to learn about health and wellness. With this series, we'll present some powerful ideas to change your lives as well. Well, yes, Geraldo, it has been a lifetime ago when we met, and I was marching and advocating for my daughter, Lara, at Willowbrook. You put the spotlight on the problem, and we're continuing to make changes today. And now, with this powerful podcast, our program is brought to you by HIPAAvideo.net, the company that has revolutionized the way to bring you professional services right into your home, through your phone or your computer. I'd like to welcome Dr. Elisa Kaufman, and Dr. Rachel Klein. They have created a unique practice of dentistry that is home visits. And I think it's an extraordinary service that very few people offer. So I'm delighted to hear more about how it came to be. Dr. Lisa Kaufman, can you share with me how you came to do this kind of dentistry? Well, of course I can. And and first of all, thanks so much for having both uh, Dr. Rachel Klein and me on your show. I came to this practice what, right after I started uh, practicing dentistry in my office. I always loved the geriatric population and dentures was one of my favorite things to do, which is, by the way, a lost and dying art. So um, just liking that was kind of being a geek in my own, uh, in my own mind. Uh, one day, my girlfriend, my best friend, her dad had a stroke and he couldn't get to the dentist and they just didn't know what to do. So I said, well, let me come over and take a look. And from that idea grew this huge niche practice. Yeah, I, I like to believe that in one, you know, it's like one step for man and a giant step of kind of belief where you hear you made one step and you create an entire business model around it. So how did it grow like that? Well, um, I had a, a child five years um, after buying my office, 
And um, I started getting really busy in my office. I started getting really busy in the house call business and I had to make a decision. And I decided that when you have your, when you have house calls that you could make your own practice, you know, your own schedule, you don't have to worry about, you know, timing. So I could do things with my daughter and I could also see all my patients around their schedule and mine. I didn't have to worry about a front desk. I didn't have to worry about the dental assistant's kid being sick that day. Um, and it, I was able to grow this practice into something that's so wonderful. And now I'm looking to expand, you know, not hiring people, but making people aware that this kind of practice exists. And that's how Rachel came to be. I mean, um, I mentored her. Um, she was, uh, the first person to join my network and I wrote a book. She read the book. I mentored her. And, uh, last month was a month that I think that she, she did twice as, twice as much business as me during COVID. So I'm so proud of her. And she is just so fantastic to work with. And we're having a great time now that we have a group and we, we want more people in this group. So your goal, you know, it's funny, you should say that you, I started my newspapers in my living room because I had a child and I said, how am I going to go to a business? I was a teacher. I can't be punching a clock someplace from nine to three or four. And so that's how I started my newspaper. And now we own 74 newspapers and websites. So I believe that the innovativeness of women it's extraordinary, and I love what you've done. I want you to hear a little bit about your book. You just put out that idea. Tell me about your book, how you wrote it, what it's, what it's about. So I call it How to Become a House Call Dentist. And um, what, it, what it has in that book is basically it's a cookbook, what to buy, where to buy it, um, how much it costs, pictures of the items you need, so I've given so much free press. I haven't gotten anything in return to all of the people that I've asked permission uh, to use their products. So basically uh, I've given away all of my secrets and really it's not about me making money. It's about me making a legacy and I would do anything in the world. I mean, now I'm starting to lecture at different universities. I taught at Penn for 10 years. Now I'm going to be giving Zoom lectures about my practice, I can't really make it about my book because then it looks like I'm trying to make money, which believe me, the book is not about making money. Um, but I would like more people to know that this type of practice exists, especially these kids getting out of dental school. You know, they're, they're not making very much money working for other people. They have these big loans and they want to open their own practice, but it's ridiculous to have more loans on top of dental school loans. So I think that I'm onto something. This is going to be huge. And I just want to be the first one to do it. So the more people we talk about it to and the, the, you know, the more press we get about this type of practice, the, the better it is for me because this is going to be, I'm turned, I just turned 60. I got to have a legacy. Uh, well, I think you already have a legacy. You don't have to worry. And I wanted to talk to Dr. Rachel Klein, your partner, your associate, your colleague. Uh, Dr. Klein, talk to me a little bit about how you came to be in this piece of the world of geriatric house call dentistry. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, well, I was working in the nursing homes as a dentist for over 20 years. And in all that time, maybe once or twice, I had a resident who was discharged. And let's say I had made them a denture or a pair of dentures, and then they went home and they somehow didn't fit anymore, or they lost it or it broke. So I went 
once to the house, but it didn't occur to me that this is something that I should do until one day I was reading in the Times about Elisa and what she does. And I said, she's brilliant. Why am I not doing this? Why are more people not doing this? This is what I should be doing. So I reached out to her and it took a little time, but we finally met and she really changed my life. And I hope in turn, I'm changing other people's lives because it's such a wonderful thing to help these underserved people who can't get out and can't get help. And, you know, the family just sits there and says, what are we going to do? She's just going to have her teeth like that forever. We can't get out. Wow. It's such a powerful service that you're providing. How do you see the uh, ability to now visit with people? Because you don't do everything. You do actually go out and see the patient. Is that correct? We do. Yeah. So Rachel, how do we uh, make people safe in this crazy time that we're living through? What do you do to be able to protect yourself and the patient? I personally am super strict with my quarantining. I mean, I do have a family. I have daughters and, you know, I, they call me the um, chief police of the quarantine and they, they laugh at me, but I say, this is very real. I don't care if everyone and their kids are out there and playing together. This is a real thing. And I have to keep my family and my patients safe. So, you know, I limit my exposure outside. And in turn, when I go to someone's house, I protect myself to protect you as if we're in a dental office. I'm wearing two masks, an N95, a surgical mask on top, a shield. I'm wearing scrubs. I'm wearing the PPE and everything that if you would be in the office. And I like to keep one other person in the family in the room with us, obviously wearing a mask. And I don't want the whole entire family in the house. You know, I just think that shouldn't have these people who are so vulnerable shouldn't have all the grandkids and everybody coming over and visit because they're not supposed to be. I mean, we should all be keeping each other safe, not the time for visits. I think Rachel, you know, this message has to be said over and over again. And I think you're so both of you, Rachel and Alyssa, uh, Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Klein are so uh, really extraordinarily helpful in this. uh, uh, You know, your practice wasn't built around a pandemic, but you've adapted to it. What are you calling your practice? It's called Geriatric House Call Dentistry. And the reason we chose such a long name is because we don't do concierge dentistry for people who can get out but are too lazy or for people who want to have a crown re-cemented in their hotel room, this is specifically for people who cannot get out of their homes. They'd like to, but they can't. Well, it sounds like a mission of kindness. And I think it's uh, the angels will be watching over you because this is something that is so desperately needed. And yet, uh, you know, people may not know that you provide the service. I know you're using or you've, you are transitioning into using telemedicine through the HIPAA video platform. How do you find you can use HIPAA HIPAA video or any kind of telemedicine with your patients? So I'll talk for both Rachel and for myself, but we both um, do this every day. Um, We had been using uh, FaceTime video and when a patient calls us, and this is the number one thing that happens. So they'll say, my mother cannot get to the dentist and her crown fell out. And ding, 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 Rachel and I, Rachel's probably smiling and laughing. Uh, we think right away, well, we wish we could cement the tooth and we hope to cement the tooth, but is there a tooth or did the tooth break inside the crown? And then you have a whole different story. 
So instead of us going to their house and delivering the bad news and then having to charge them for it, we asked them to send us a picture um, on text message of the outside of the crown and the inside of the crown. And if we see the inside of the crown is clean, then probably the tooth could be re-cemented. That means the tooth isn't in the crown. And then we found on LinkedIn, well, actually, we didn't find, Frank Hirsch from uh, HIPAAvideo.net, um, he contacted me and he said, you know, I think that you and I need to have a chat. And we did immediately. And Frank and Marlene um, have been nothing but amazing, so professional. Um, LinkedIn is such a great um, way to meet people. And they told us all about HIPAA Video Net, set us up on it, gave us our passwords. And the one thing that makes them so special is that they offer uh, top, top customer service with live staff for those who may not be so computer literate. So if somebody decides that they want to use it with us and they get frustrated, they don't have to you know, feel insecure about using it. They can call and there's live staff to help them get through this. And it's very, very easy. And most of all, it's HIPAA compliant, which everybody's worried about these days. I mean, right now they're very um, easy on us as dentists with HIPAA because of the pandemic. And um, we've been doing a lot of free teledentistry, both Rachel and I, helping out people in the city of New York who don't have anyone to turn to. So they call us on our on our phones and we answer and we help them and we've gotten zero dollars and we don't expect to get any and we weren't asking for any. So this has been our our pleasure. But as we transition, God willing, out of this pandemic and these very, very difficult times, we're lucky to have something like HIPAAvideo.net. And by the way, I'm going to spell it for people who are interested because no one knows how to spell HIPAA. It's H-I-P-A-A-Video.net. H-I-P-A-A-Video.net. And honestly, the ease of using it is incredible. And every day I thank the Lord that uh, Frank met me on LinkedIn and that we were able to connect and I was able to, you know, really get my practice going with a HIPAA compliant, easy to use product. Well, you know, I think you just did a great commercial, but I know you believe in it and that's why it's so powerful. (laughs) I've been delighted to be talking to Dr. Elisa Kaufman and Dr. Rachel Klein who have a geriatric house call dentistry practice. And I think that the kind of information you're being able to share with us today can be life-changing for our listeners. So I'm so grateful to both of you for being with us here, brought to you by HIPAAvideo.net. And this is Victoria Schnepps. Thank you for your time. Thank you Thank for you. having us. I'm delighted to bring to you Dr. Babar Rao, who is a dermatologist and teaches at New York Cornell, and he's a professor at Rutgers for many years. He has five practices in Manhattan, New Jersey, and California. Dr. Rao, welcome to our show of health and wellness, and you are, to me, a great role model of success in America. Thank you. So you started to talk to me about your journey from Pakistan to England, and then to New York. What happened when you got to New York? Well, I actually didn't get to New York, so I landed in uh, Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and coming out of London, which where we used to dormitories and hostels and subways and tubes, and then I landed in Dallas, where there is nothing like subway. <laughs> and every car is bigger than my apartment in London, so it was, it, it was a shocker landing in, in Dallas. 
Well, I li- my daughter lived in Dallas, so I've been to Dallas, and it's a <laughs> yes. very different place than any other place, that's for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, when you were in Dallas, did you begin a practice of medicine? Because dermatology is your specialty, correct? Yes. So I was a dermatologist from England and Pakistan, but to practice dermatology in this country, U.S., you have to almost do the training all over. Yes. But to even but to get to dermatology, it's almost impossible for a foreign graduate to get into dermatology field because everybody in the U.S. wants to go to dermatology. Mm. So therefore, you have to establish your resume or CV in a way that you have enough in your research and in your resume so that then people who are selecting, they are convinced that he's a good candidate or she's a good candidate. So my Dallas, then I was doing a fellowship and doing research to build up my CV for dermatology. Well, I must tell you, I saw the list of books you've been involved with in your writings. It's a very impressive uh, literary accomplishments, accomplishments. And how did you, over that period of time, or has this been over years that you've done all that writing? Uh, yes. So, you know, I've been a dermatologist now, board certified. I went to finally here in Cornell in the city. And uh, since then, it's been 20 years and I've been writing, you know, my experience now in dermatology and teaching students at, I teach at Cornell and at Rutgers in New Jersey both. And, and that's where I do research and teaching. So you're doing research, but you are also practicing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what pays the bills, I bet. Yes. <laughs> yes. The teacher, so, like, you know, you get great quality people when you're teaching them. You see who's the cream of the crop and maybe hire them at some point. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> in my practice here in East Coast now, uh, a younger doctor joined me, but he was my student and then a resident in training. Now he's my uh, business partner. So it is good if you mix with students, resident, eventually you may find people to work with, which will be uh, taught your way and compatible with you. So I noticed in some of your writing that mm-hmm. you've written on subjects of skin cancer, which is such a prevalent thing. Now we're in the summer season here in New York. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about some of the prevention things that you can help. And have you been using telemedicine to reach your patients during this coronavirus? So two different questions. One is how, how I have been reaching my patient is using telemedicine. So most of the rashes and other chronic conditions, you can talk to them on the phone and give them refill, then they're okay, but you worry about skin cancer. So that's why teledermatology really is important or became important. What if somebody has a melanoma, which is the deadliest skin cancer, and they don't know and they're sitting at home, maybe you can then, you know, bring them to care and treat it early. So teledermatology from that point of view was very uh, useful or telemedicine. Also, because many patients uh, may be infected or may be asymptomatic and have the virus, if they come to offices, not only they can infect other people, we can infect them if some of our staff are infected. So tele really, really helped in this, this difficult time uh, preventing the infection and then maybe uh, finding people who may have a skin cancer. So I wonder when you, uh, to me, I get body checks every year since I'm yeah. a blonde blue eye, you know, I'm very susceptible. Yeah. 
how much now do you think your practice will continue after, please God, this virus passes to be using telemedicine as part of, quite more now an integral part of your practice? Yes. So let's say before the, I do more teledermatology than usual people because I have a lot of contracts in California to do tele. But let's say if it was 5% before of my total practice, I'd probably be like around 30% of my practice will be teledermatology. Oh, that's a big jump. Yeah. And tell me, uh, people seem to be more accepting of it too, aren't they? Yes, they are. And you know, the good thing about telemedicine or teledermatology is like doctor and patient, they're always on time. Nobody's one hour behind because <laughs> everybody's there. And then I actually started enjoying it because when you, let's say if Vicky came to my office, you're kind of my guest and you're behaving. You have to follow my rules, my scary MA standing there. They say, okay, where is the rash and all that? But when I go to see a telepatient, I'm going to their home. So I have to obey their rules. And this casualness there where a kid can show me his toys or somebody can talk about their dog. And so I get to hold family story in a casual way. So this really is making doctors in a way more human because you're going to their houses via video, but still you are in the house. Interesting. I didn't think yeah. of that perspective, yeah. the relationship. In yeah. every business, relationships are so important. And yeah. then I know you also are doing Botox. Yes, yes. So we do Botox, fillers, yeah. lasers, uh, everything. And right now, obviously, we're not doing too much of that, waiting for, you know, clearance and, and uh, uh, less restrictions. But as it opens, we'll go back to it. So how are you actually handling office visits? Or are you able to do them? So we are doing in Jersey a little more than Manhattan. Uh, and I have California offices a little more there. But what we have done is basically no patients get to sit in the reception area meaning they have appointments and the, they are called when they're on their cell phone, they're outside in their car or waiting, and they'll be told, go to room eight. And so nobody stops them, they go to room eight, so they have minimum interaction with reception area, receptionist, or anybody else. And then in the patient room, obviously, we are trying to not, sometimes we go with too many people, two MAs and doctors, so we're trying to limit that time. And then also, obviously, everybody has to wear masks, if they don't have, we'll give it to them. And we're checking their temperatures. If somebody has a fever, we don't see them. It's bad for them, bad for us. So these measures so far in a, in a month time, we've been successful so far, luckily. Wonderful. So, uh, you know, I had asked a double question and I wanted to ask again about mm -hmm. prevention things that people can do to avoid melanoma. Or is there something... I, you know, sometimes I get a little spot and I get crazy with myself. What, what is it? Yeah. How yeah. you can advise people on what's serious and what's just a, you know, a brown spot. Yeah. So really the single most important thing is if you have a spot, like a red one, brown one, dark one, which is changing colors now. So most of the time, most patients believe that if it is a raised bump, that could be skin cancer. But most of the time, at least in U.S., we see lesions which are not raised yet, but changing colors. And that's where we want to catch them. So if somebody have a spot which is changing color or has multiple colors, that need to be looked at by a doctor, dermatologist. Or also prevention-wise, obviously, if like your skin or light skin people should be checking themselves at home every three, four months, 
Nowadays, everybody have digital cameras, take your own photo and, you know, compare them. And then also at least visit your skin doctor, uh, you know, once a year so that they can do total skin checks. But I noticed you also did some study and research Mm -hmm. on melanoma patients and how to uh, behave and how to, you know, uh, can they go out into the sun? What advice do you give to people who may have had a melanoma in the past? So they should be, obviously, their chances of having another skin cancer is much higher than somebody who didn't have a skin cancer. So they should be extremely careful. But anybody going out on the beach or pool in summer or otherwise, I think they should use a sunscreen at least every two hours. Some I'm going to stop you because I go to the, the, <laughs> the pharmacy and I see 20, 40, sport. Yeah, yeah. It's very confusing to a consumer. So there is confusing, but you should get at least 35 and above. Okay, that's important. Let's say that again. Yeah. 35 and, and above. Then, and then if the numbers go up, you still get some added protection going to like 70 and 80, but it should be at least 35. And also important is we have two kinds of sunscreen. There are ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B. It's good to get a broad spectrum one which covers against both you ultraviolet A and B. And you can, many companies make it. I don't want to name a company. But many companies have that. Yeah. Well, you should make your own to be able to sell to people. Yeah, well, well, I know generally Neutrogena have the best ones and they're cheaper than everybody else. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because sometimes it's so confusing. There it is. It buy is. multiple products. But you said something to me that struck me and that was you should be reapplying the skincare treatment each two hours. Yeah, you mean the skin uh, sunscreens? Yes, every every two hours. Yes. Okay, that's something. If you are going to be outside, if you are home, obviously not. But yeah. if you're going to be beach or a pool or a picnic, then yes, every two hours. That, because I know that even though it, they some say you can swim and it'll still be effective. It will not be on there. I have done many experiments. They, they won't be there anymore. I know. My granddaughter just got a sunburn on her back being in the pool all day. Yeah. So she never came out to be reapplied. My daughter's usually so efficient at ca- covering them. Yeah, also what in the same in the sunscreen story, what has happened is like, as everybody believes, like if we use sunscreen, we are kind of protected. So what in return happened is people use sunscreen and they went more out in sun. So overall, people should go to, if they're high risk, they should go to sun as little as possible and go like after 4 p.m., before 10 a.m., which is kind of boring, but, you know, if you want to protect. So other than applying sunscreen, overall, there should be like, basically don't go to sun if you're high risk as much as you're going otherwise. I've been delighted to talk to Dr. Uh, Babar Rao, and he is brought to you by hippavideo.net, but he has his own website. Will you share that with us, please, Dr. Rao? Yes, so it's uh, raodermatology.com, so R-A-O dermatology.com, and everything is there, whatever I was talking. Okay, Hippavideo's been glad to bring you to the public. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Raldo, have you been using telemedicine yourself? You know, that's interesting, Vicki, because with the pandemic, Uh, Telemedicine is now becoming all the rage here in Cleveland with the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals, uh, you know, two great medical institutions. They've all gone to telemedicine for a lot of different reasons. 
Uh, you know, it gets the word out. It's so much less expensive, so much wear, uh, less wear and tear on the patient and the doctors. So it's cost effective. It's really a great way to get uh, a doctor and a, and a patient speaking with one another in intimate circumstances, privacy, uh, good advice without the wear and tear of a personal visit. So uh, I think telemedicine is all the rage. Well, I know that you have been used to traveling the globe. Um, what are you doing now that the world has all slowed down? You know, the world certainly has shrunk my world and your world and everyone's world. Uh, we don't travel much. We live in Cleveland, Ohio. I have my television studio here in my home. Uh, so I do my Fox News uh, appearances from here. And then we do the radio show also from home. Eric and I, uh, Erica, my wife and I uh, co-host the radio show together. Uh, you know, we're having a lot of fun doing it. We don't agree on very much, but uh, we agree that we love each other. Well, listen, that's what makes for good television. That makes for good radio. That makes for good journalism. Right. If we all thought the same thing, life would not be very interesting. And I know you keep life interesting. Thank you so much for being with me. I'm so grateful. And, you know, thank you for sharing your input and knowledge. This is Victoria Schnipps, Straight Talk, Health and Wellness. And thank you for tuning in. We've been brought to you by HIPAAvideo.net. Get more information by going to their website. Our podcast can be heard on schnepsbroadcasting.com and wherever podcasts are heard. Vicki Schnepps signing off. Bye now. 